Right, he gotta go. <laughs> Can you take me with you, please, Harge? It's my thumb. It's my thumb. Oh, easy, Michael Scott. Goodness gracious. What a way to start off a Wednesday <laughs> show. That's why we're award winners. Nobody does this like we do this for better, but usually for worse. I don't put together a whole lot of audio bits, BK, but I apologize for being a minute late today. I got an inspiration based on a story that you and I are talking about that I may try to do a recreation for, and it has to do with the big Fartgate controversy happening at A&M right now to help explain why they haven't been better at football this year. Mm. Should we hit that early, or do we want to save that for midway through the show? I may ask for an extra day to get it right because it was hastily thrown together and then all of a sudden it was 12.01, but it does involve Dave South coming out of retirement and some other sound effects. Oh, man. How are you going to tease us like that? Just got to tune in tomorrow. Goodness gracious. All right, we're saving that whole story for tomorrow then? No, we can talk about the story today, but I may, I may have to. We may bring it back tomorrow with a recreation. Okay, all right. Well, we're here till one o'clock today. We'll be here from twelve to one tomorrow. We're twelve to one every weekday right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. We've got plenty to get to today. Yeah, we will talk about uh, some of the conspiracy theories going on in Aggieland right now as to why the Aggies are struggling again. We will talk some Major League Baseball. The Phillies looking very, very impressive. They go up 2-0 in the NLCS. Of course, Game 3 of the ALCS is tonight in Arlington. Can the uh, Astros get back on track, or will the Rangers take an even more commanding 3-0 lead here? We'll talk some Longhorns and Cougars three days away from Texas at Houston coming up this Saturday afternoon. And uh, where are we at in society, of course, to end the show around 12.50, like we always do. Uh, but, man, we got to start off with what I did in between Bucky and BK and Trey and BK, Trey. Yeah, I got the 10-second promo version of what you're about to have to talk about here, BK, as you uh, look down into your pants. You got a physical a little bit earlier, and so... Because it's me and, well, because it's you getting a physical, my first question is, did they grab down there and have you turn and cough? Um, yeah, and I thought I'd be very clever and witty and just try to lighten the mood a little bit for the female doctor. Oh, no. Who was in there with me today. <laughs> what did you say or do? I told her that I had just gotten out of the pool before I had showed up thinking she would find that hilarious. You know, the old Seinfeld shrinkage bit. Mm. And she just, she didn't laugh at all. She didn't find it funny. She just kept going about her business and did that. I think I gave the saddest cough ever, too. Oh, did she stonewall you? Like, she didn't even respond when you said that? Like Stone Cold Steve Austin, man. Whoa. Yep. Got absolutely nothing. Well, unfortunately for her, and I know this because I'm married to a medical professional who does have to conduct physicals from time to time, including doing that, they get a lot of that joking around where for them, it's trying to help make sure that you don't have some sort of debilitating health issue that would keep you from either playing athletics if you're a high school kid or 
if you're you, staying alive for a few years longer. Yeah, see, I'd rather have the debilitating health issue and get a laugh than be perfectly fine and not get a laugh, you know? Like, now I got to live with that for the rest of my life, you know? Like, well, even if you weren't dealing with actual shrinkage, as soon as, she, as soon as she stonewalled you, it probably did shrink at least just a little bit. Yep, and then the cough that I had was more of a, just a little, like a faint <laughs> after that. <laughs> Yeah, I was so embarrassed. You know, like if something's wrong with my gonads, then hey, maybe I can get over that. But I, I'll never be able to get over that incident that happened there today. See, you were either hitting on her, which I don't think was the case, or you were just trying to lighten the mood on something that is obviously very awkward for both sides. Yeah. And congratulations to you. Clearly, I'm rubbing off because you made it even more awkward than it needed to be. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, Dr. Jellyfinger I actually asked. I was like, is someone going to come in here and... You know, fill me up a little bit. Like, what's the deal? I'm I'm ready for it. I'm volunteering. I'm in. Oh, goodness. And she's like, no, no, you're too young for that. You don't need to do that yet. And I'm like, well, I want to do that. I'm actually of age now that I'm 45 to receive a colonoscopy. Oh. It used to be 50, but now it's 45. And I've put it up, up to this point. Technology has actually ravaged me once before, back when I was around your age in my late 20s. Thankfully, everything was good back then, but I'm going to have to go back through that rigmarole coming up here pretty soon. And by rigmarole, I mean technology uh, finding its way up into the, the darkest spots of my keister. Mm. Yeah, they really need a more advanced way of doing that, right? Well, I think this is the advanced way, right? It's a camera yeah. that they shove up there versus sticking a finger up there and just wiggling it around, like asking you to come hither. How do you, well, they got to <laughs> put the camera in there, too. They need, they need a way to do this without inserting something in there. That's what I was hoping for. What are you looking, we, what, what are they, <laughs> they looking for? The G spot in there? What's going on, dude? How do we keep finding new lows? Like every day, it's like a newer low to start the show. I, I'm very proud of us and also embarrassed, much like the uh, the doctor that you were joking with earlier today. Oh, man. Yeah, she didn't take the bait on the uh, voluntary colonoscopy. And I told her, I was like, I've had my bar mitzvah. I'm a man. I'm ready for this. And she's like, no, you don't need this. I did not realize fingers were going up bums at bar mitzvahs. Okay, good mm. to know. Nah, you just can't have one beforehand. But uh, afterwards, you're you're now qualified to do something like that if you uh, so choose. But uh, that ritual off until I'm 50 then, I guess. Yeah. Well, none of what I said is true. Just there. I did have a physical. Oh, damn it. They didn't even check. I didn't even have to drop my pants. I was stunned. Oh, did she just press like around the pubic bone? Yeah, not not even that low though. Just like the yeah. stomach area, you know. Mm. And I'm like, you don't want to see it? No, I didn't actually say that. But I wonder mm -hmm. what would have happened if I was like, I took a blue chew before this. You don't want to take a look at what I've got going on down there. You know, I think this is a result of the evolution of something that is an awkward process, where enough guys have handled it like you hypothetically handled it. Well, they had to figure out a better way to do that test without any cupping of balls being required. Mm. Yeah, I Much guess. It's like with uh, Deshaun Watson and massages. Like, there's probably more masseuses than ever before saying, look, just come dressed 
in loose fitting athletic clothes. We can do the same exact thing that we would be doing otherwise with all of your clothes off, considering that you are an upright citizen, unlike Deshaun Watson, who isn't asking for handies at the end of each session. Hmm. Yeah. Don't uh, did you say you're rubbing off on me, too. Don't don't be doing that, please. Yeah, that was a poor choice of words. Yeah, you said that earlier. Yeah, I am actually embarrassed. Something that did happen at this physical, something that's never happened to me before. Everything else I said was BS. I did not volunteer to get a colonoscopy today, and uh, I didn't drop With the shrink- or something? shrinkage line. I didn't even have to do a urine test. Dude, I like, during the morning show today, I had to piss so bad, but I'm like, mm. I gotta save it. I gotta save it. I gotta save it, because... That's the worst thing in the world. It's like you forget you're going to the doctor. You got to take one of those tests and you're like, oh, shoot, I'm about to leave. Let me use the bathroom before I go. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, God, now I can't urinate. Then I'm at the doctor. I didn't have to do that. Although I've had that problem before. But, man, blood test today, which I knew mm-hmm. was coming. And, I, dude, I'm like, I'm great with needles. And she asked me, like, are you okay with needles? Like, does this bother you? Do you get lightheaded? Do you get dizzy? And I'm like, no. Like, I... I stare at it, literally. Like, I watch the needle go in. I watch the blood get taken out. Like, I enjoy Mm -hmm. it, too. I wish it was someone else's blood getting taken from their body. But it's mine, whatever. We'll take it. And then, like, she she prods me once, one side, no blood comes out. So she's got to go to the other arm. And she gets the blood out, and I'm, like, staring at it, all good. We're talking. And then, like, two minutes after the fact, I get super lightheaded. And I'm like, whoa. Mm. I need a minute. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I just I just got real dizzy. Like, and I'm just like got my head down on the chair for a while. I'm like, do you have a water or a Gatorade or something? Like I like I was sweating and my ears were ringing and I was getting dizzy. And I'm like, oh shit, this has never happened before. So yeah, she came back, got me a Gatorade. And uh, I've never been so mad at myself in my life. I've been staring in the mirror, calling myself a pussy for the last like 30 <laughs> minutes because of that. Like, there are some people who, like, you know, they, they can't even look. My older sister, love her to death. She, like, cries like a little kid when she's got to deal with this type of stuff. Like, I've always loved it and enjoyed it. Never had any problems with the actual needle or the after effects. But, yeah, I got, uh, I got a little woozy today. So we're, this was, like, less than an hour ago. So we're getting the uh, the bearings back a little bit. Was this while the needle was still in your arm extracting blood? This was after. No, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, two minutes after the fact. It's like, I guess my body just reacted uh, a little late. I don't know if it's because I was looking at it and saw what happened or if it was just like, I don't know, I, I lost blood. And I guess that's a uh, body's reactionary move is to freak out a little bit. So that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. And you also have to take into account the fact that your blood is probably as thick as Taco Bell hot sauce, too. So uh, taking that much out of your body is going to leave you a little bit depleted. I'm curious, did they have you come in fasted, not having eaten anything today for the blood draw? Did I have to come where? Fasted? Did you have to? I have to come fast? Ed? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Like I could drink water, but uh, no, I didn't eat anything okay. this morning. Like I had dinner last night after the Texas basketball scrimmage. So a late dinner, uh, but yeah, no no food for like the eight hours before, I think was what they told me. Okay, and I would also ask if you worked out beforehand, but we know you didn't work out beforehand. That can also affect your blood. If I do or if I don't, am I supposed to? 
if you do, it can have a weird effect on what they're trying to read from your blood. Yeah, she did. Uh, she did ask if I drank this weekend. I was like, yeah, I had one or two. That's that's a tough, two tough questions when you when you go to the doctor. For me, I guess everyone's got some different ones, but for me, it's are you sexually active? And my response to that is always, why are you trying to? That's a smooth one. Classic one. Doesn't work. Really confusing when it's a guy who's who's in there. And I feel like it may work in like a social worker's office or something, but in the doctor's office, not so much. No, no. I, I should uh, retire that one. I should have retired it before I ever brought it out. Now, you did drink this weekend at ACL Fest. Did they ask you if you indulged in any other substances, which you would have to say yes to, too? Uh, Yeah. I guess, but I didn't say yes to those. That's probably not what I should be doing at the doctor. What's the point of getting a doctor's checkup if you literally lie about everything that you do? So yeah, the other <laughs> no, I don't smoke, doctor, other than the pack a day for the last 10 years. <laughs> exactly. Like, ah, the occasional marijuana smoke. I, I yeah. do the pots from time to time. I think that's what the kids call it. Uh, yeah, I just hit a crack pipe in the parking lot, but you don't need to know that. But the, the drinking question is always tough, right? Like, do you drink? Yeah, socially is my answer. Okay, what does that mean? Like one to two drinks? Like what, a day? And she's like, a week. I'm like, uh, higher, higher. <laughs> but I never know where to go. I mean, some weekends it's one to two. Some weekends it's 19 to 20. So she's like, what about four to five? I'm like, yeah, let's go ahead and say four to five. So like, what about this last weekend? And I was like, yeah, closer to the five plus <laughs> ten range. Like that's I just don't even know how to answer that. So I just You know, you just have to spit you just have to spitball the average. I think four to five is a reasonable answer for you, even though the number is probably double that. Yeah. It, it, on a on a down weekend, it might be double that. So it was uh probably an unreasonable spitball there. But there you go. There's my physical journey this morning. So I take it you get your blood work back in the next couple of days. Like yeah. they'll call you something's wrong, which yeah. is one of my least favorite doctor's office bits, by the way. I will call you with something's wrong. How about call me either way? How about call me with some good news? You people just like doling out bad news or you just don't feel like you have the time? Like your uh like your doctor's assistants can get off of Facebook for a few minutes on their phone to actually make a phone call to get deliver a piece of good news to somebody? It's fear-mongering, dude. It's what we do. That's, yeah. that's why the news starts every night with fatal car crash in South Austin instead of this guy saved somebody's life in North Austin. It's like we just we like that shit. I don't know why. It sells. Fear that, sells. No. That, that's, a, uh, that's a funny hypothetical that you're throwing out there because we know that nobody in North Austin and is helping anybody else out. Mm, I say that as somebody who lives in North Austin. <laughs> yeah. A whole lot of selfish assholes up here. Well, you're up there, so it checks out. <laughs> checks out. True. All right, let's get into the sports of the day. Uh, let's talk some Texas football, shall we? Three days out from the Longhorns and the Houston Cougars. We've got some Dana Holgerson audio, a couple of different cuts to play. Of course, Sark had his game week press conference on Monday here in Austin. Dana Holgerson had his Game week press conference on Monday down there in H-Town. And this is uh, part of Dana's opening statement. Some comments about this Texas team that he's got to go up against on Saturday. 
There's, there's not enough time in this press conference to explain all the challenges that Texas brings. They're a complete team. Um, you know, they've had two weeks coming off a lost Oklahoma. I can only imagine what their mindset is. Um, they've been dominant all season. Um, but to have two weeks coming off that game, I'm sure they're, they're going to be about as motivated as anybody in college football coming to Houston on, on Saturday afternoon. So, um, you know, they're, they're good everywhere. They're big everywhere. Um, they're talented everywhere. They're very deep. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, so, you know, we'll be excited about, about playing this game. We hadn't, we hadn't played them in 20 years and, you know, our, our fan base obviously is going to be excited. The, it's going to be sold out. You know, we haven't had a sellout here in a long time. Um, you know, and just the quality opponent coming in. I mean, they're good everywhere. And I mean everywhere. Um, on, and they're good on all three sides. So there's, it's, it's, it's far and away our biggest challenge yet this year. Yeah, no doubt. And Dana Holgerson giving Texas a lot of love. I wonder if he's trying to inject some rat poison into the Longhorns. Like maybe that's his best strategy this weekend is, oh, let me pump these guys up as much as possible and hope word gets to Austin that I think these guys are incredible and uh, they're so good. They don't even need to try against us. We're just Houston. They're bigger. They're faster. They're stronger. Whatever. I wonder if that's part of the strategy for Dana. Or I, I like He's right. It's not like he's saying that about Sam Houston State or something like that. Like Texas is a top 10 team in the country. This is one of the most talented rosters in all of college football. They are pretty good in all three phases when they're on. I know, you know the Oklahoma game was not what we wanted to see, but uh, for the most part, this Texas team has been really, really solid everywhere. So, uh, yeah, Dana Holgerson, some high praise right there for this Texas team coming to town. Well, BK, you know this because you spoke with Dana regularly when you were hosting at ESPN Houston, and I've spoken with them a couple of times now too, including at Big 12 Media Days in July. Like maybe there was a tiny bit of sunshine pumping going on, but Dana's brutally honest about things. And he gave a true honest assessment for what Texas brings to the table. He's trying to warn his fan base, hey, this could be a bloodbath. Like Houston's okay offensively, so maybe they can stick in a shootout scenario for a little bit. But eventually the Longhorns are going to pull away in large part because they are so good in all three facets, but also Houston is terrible defensively. Like this is one of those games where if the Texas offense doesn't get going early, not just moving the ball, but finding some more red zone success, it's going to get annoying pretty quickly if we see them slogging into halftime before making the necessary adjustments to pull away. Houston's defense is ass, man. I mean, there really is no way around it. They're not good at anything. Uh, They're in the hundreds in a lot of defensive statistical categories, including scoring defense, which for me is the most important one. And their numbers would be worse if they had played a tougher schedule. Like Dana is definitely not lying about Texas being the toughest team that his UH team has had to play this year. Uh, Houston's three and three right now, but they've gone against UTSA, Rice, TCU, Sam Houston State, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. No ranked teams. None of those teams are anywhere close to the caliber of Texas. And man, I mean, Houston's defense, their numbers are awful. They pitched a shutout against Sam Houston State. Now, Sam Houston State's in its first year in the FBS, and they're 0-6. They suck. Uh, They only gave up 14 against UTSA, who's having a down year compared to their expectations. Like You look at the conference games. I mean, they didn't beat West Virginia because their defense played an incredible game. 
Like their defense collapsed in the last five minutes. Should have cost them the game. If it wasn't for that miracle Hail Mary at the buzzer, Houston loses because their defense couldn't get a stop in the fourth quarter, even though they had a double-digit lead with like five minutes to go. Uh, Texas Tech, think about all the issues the Red Raiders have had this year. They scored 49 against Houston a couple of weeks ago. So here's the three Big 12 games that Houston has played. They've given up 36, 49, and 39. And oh, by the way, against Rice, they gave up 43. So this defense sucks. And you said it perfectly, man. If the Texas offense has a half a football like they did against Rice or Wyoming or Oklahoma against this defense, then it will be a little frustrating because Texas, both on the ground, that's where it should start with Jonathan Brooks, but also Quinn Ewers through the air, they should be able to get just about whatever they want to get against this group. I don't know what's embarrassing for Cougars fans. The fact that they gave up 43 to Rice or 36 to TCU. And this was three weeks into the season that they faced TCU, too. TCU still sucks on offense, but they were really bad in searching for answers and replacements for a lot of guys who are now playing professionally, not even a month into the season. Yeah, it's Texas needs to get things on track offensively. They weren't bad against Oklahoma, but some of the issues that have plagued them for much of the season were still on display, specifically that red zone offense. You need to score touchdowns when you get inside the 20. You need to score a lot more touchdowns than you are punting the football away. Ryan Sanborn ends up with zero attempts on Saturday. I'll consider that a good day, I guess, unless there's a boatload of turnovers, and that's a very different conversation we're probably having in the postgame. But Texas offense has no excuse not to get the job done here in a couple of days. Yeah, I'm with you. And it starts with Jonathan Brooks. Once again, he's the best player on this offense. Four straight 100-yard games. He leads all Power 5 rushers in terms of yards per game. Feed him a lot. I mean, Houston's given up 200-plus on the ground in three different games this season. So uh, they're Swiss cheese, especially on that defensive front. The Sack Avenue days of a couple of years ago, uh, those don't exist anymore down there in the third ward. So, yeah, it should be a big Jonathan Brooks day. Hopefully, C.J. Baxter can get some run, too. I mean, in a perfect world, this turns into the Baylor game, right, where Texas has a great first half. You kind of feel good about the result at halftime, and then, boom, by the time you get into the fourth quarter, you can have some of your second unit guys in. You don't want to assume that that's the case, but that's best-case scenario for Texas is they take care of business the way that Vegas thinks. I mean, they're 23-and-a-half-point favorites. Line open at 22. It's gone up in Texas's favor throughout the course of the week. Like, that's that's what it should be for Texas. It should be pretty complete, but offensively, you need to see uh, some of the good things that we've seen from this group through six games, and hopefully they don't turn the football over. Like, that's, that's what killed them against OU, right? Three turnovers. Those are big momentum-changing plays, of course, in that game, but in any game. That's the way you let Houston stick around is if you just give them short fields because you're coughing the ball up time after time. Uh, Protect the ball, but also do some of the other good things we've seen offensively. If you do that, and you should do that, like for a lot of games it's easier said than done. This one it might be easier done than said. That's how bad this Houston defense is. You do that, you should be able to get to 40-plus and uh, run away with this one, I think. Agreed with that, yeah. If you turn the football over twice in your first two offensive possessions unfortunately the likelihood is is that you're playing behind the eight ball the rest of the day and that's what happened to texas against oklahoma even if they were able to uh tie the game on one or two occasions and even take a temporary lead as well uh they they were fighting an uphill battle after the first pick certainly because it was a short field that oklahoma capitalized quickly 
with that touchdown, but then to turn the ball over again deep in OU territory when you were about to answer was unfortunate. Now, that ultimately wasn't the end all for Texas, so it didn't completely cost them the game, but it made it much more difficult for them to try and win that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, man, if Quinn Ewers has two turnovers on the first two drives of the game, then my Twitter timeline is going to be filled with people clamoring for Malik Murphy, and I think yours will be, too. Uh, Ewers has been smart with the football for the most part this year, right? Like, what, one interception through the first five games? No fumbles lost through the first five games. It just unfortunately all unraveled for him in Oklahoma or at Oklahoma. What do you think it would take for Steve Sarkow? What a uh, terrible hypothetical that I'm throwing out here right now. But you and I uh, get ominous with things. It's how our UTSD manifests itself. What do you think it would take for Steve Sarkeesian to bench Quinn Ewers at halftime? A three turnover half where all three turnovers are very much on him? Injuries. An injury, yeah. So even performance won't do it. It's simply whether or not he can he can get out there and perform physically. Yeah, I mean, God, I just think of the games last year, right? The game at Oklahoma State and the game against yeah. TCU, where it's like Quinn Ewers didn't really do anything right. And even with Hudson Card, who obviously had a lot more experience than Malik Murphy has, Sark still didn't make the move. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. If Texas is down, like, 14 and Quinn Ewers has three picks, then maybe you make the move. I would still expect Sark after the game to be like, hey, Quinn's our guy. He just had a bad day. We needed to spark something, so we brought Malik in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, like to me, that's a scenario that's just not going to happen. So I don't think that will happen. I think that's the kicker. Texas has to be trailing in the game by a significant amount yeah. for the consideration to even be given by Steve Sarkeesian. On the one hand... I don't completely fault him because you want to allow your quarterback to grow through those bad moments. But one of the best quarterbacks, the best quarterback in the history of Texas Longhorn football got benched his junior year because he sucked when Chance Mock came in and helped to bring Texas back. Gosh, I'm forgetting off the top of my head now. Was that Arkansas or Texas Tech? Whatever the game was, Chance Mock came in and uh, helped play the Longhorns to a victory when Vince Young was clearly the guy. And so after the game, Mac Brown says, Vince Young is still the guy. We are thankful we have Chance Mock as the backup quarterback, though. Yeah, that's the thing. And it's harder to have good backups in the transfer portal era. And uh, what our guy Scott says, Malik needs more reps. It'd be nice to get Malik some reps in, in the fourth quarter of a blowout victory. I hope we see that on Saturday. Uh, but I don't want anything to happen to Quinn. And I don't want Sark to even have to ponder making some sort of decision for that reason on this Saturday or any other Saturday the rest of the way. All right, one more from uh, Dana Holgerson here. I think uh, we touched on this a little bit on Monday, but now we've got the actual audio. Dana Holgerson basically talking about the importance of this game against Texas and some of what he's heard from Houston fans over the last few months leading up to this matchup. Got a lot of comments. Just beat Texas. Don't care if you win any of them, but you got to win that one. You know, you can go one in eleven, and it's okay if you if you beat Texas. Well, beating Texas is going to be hard. We know that. Um, you know, I, it's good. It's good for you know, for our fans. I mean, that's it's exciting for them. It's way more exciting for them than it is for me. <laughs> now I have competed against these guys a lot over the years. You know, and they're. They're in a different place now than when I was, went there in 2018 
was the last time that I competed against these guys and we came out of there with a win that day but where they're at now is different yeah definitely a different Texas team that Dana Hogerson's got to go up against and uh, Dana doesn't have the same talent at Houston now that he had with that West Virginia team in 2018 which unfortunately got the better of Texas but that's the second time this year Trey where a coach the week of the Texas game has basically said that like I've heard from boosters and alumni and students and this and that that hey man just win this one just beat Texas I don't care what else you do just beat Texas Dave Aranda said that the week of the Baylor game didn't work for Dave Aranda too well Texas won that one 38 to 6 Dana Holgerson he's not lying I believe him and man Dana Holgerson's seat is warming up Bucky and I talked about this earlier if he gets a win on Saturday over Texas then that seat's going to cool off and he might have just bought himself another year or two that's how big of a game this one is for uh, Houston people but uh yeah I mean that I don't know if it's strategy it didn't work for Dave Aranda I don't know if it's bulletin board material or anything like that for Texas but uh it goes to show you how people feel about this final crack that they have against the Longhorns I mean, if we really think about it, it's the third time this year we've heard something along those lines with Rhett Yormark imploring Joey McGuire to go into Austin to beat Texas the last regular season game of the year for the Red Raiders. And I understand there's a lot of animosity towards the University of Texas around this conference, weirdly, except for or except for inside Norman because the two schools are uh, going to be holding hands as we skip our way over to the SEC next year. But a lot of the Big 12 feels spurned, and Houston feels extra spurned, too, because of the history, because they think that Texas is at least partially responsible for keeping them out of the Big 12, which they are. And Texas refusing to play Houston uh, in the uh, early part of the 2000s after some pretty horrific stadium conditions. And they're like, no, you are endangering our fans by setting up these temporary stands. These are uh, not fit for use. And so they just decided to stop playing Houston altogether after that. And so now Houston fans remember both of those things. They realize the only reason why they're in the Big 12 now is because Texas is no longer blocking that path. And they would love to get a sort of retribution on Saturday. Sorry to spoil it for you, though, Cougars fans. Ain't happening. Ain't happening. I'm with you there. And yeah, these two schools played every year from 1976 to 1995 but this is only the fourth time they've played since then and dana said it's been 20 years i think 2002 the last time texas has played houston the longhorns have won seven straight dating all the way back to 1992 texas is 16 7 and 2 all time against the university of houston so I'm with you, man. I feel good about this one for Texas. Like everyone's like, oh, what happens if they play like they did against Oklahoma? They'll, they'll, they'll win by two touchdowns. Like Oklahoma's a lot better than Houston, and Texas yeah. is a lot better than Houston. So I don't think Texas needs its A game to win this one. Of course, I'd prefer the A game. If Texas does play its A game, then they're going to win. They're going to cover. They might win by 30-plus. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a big drop-off in competition, and hopefully Texas is motivated. They should be motivated coming off of a loss. Uh, and all the talk for Texas fans has been about getting revenge against Oklahoma. I assume that's been the talk in the locker room, too. I mean, uh, the motivation is there for the Longhorns this week and every week this season. The only way that you guarantee yourself a chance at redemption against OU is by taking care of business over these last six games of the regular season. And that, of course, starts on Saturday. 
I like this from Daryl G. Jonathan Brooks gets 200-plus rushing yards a week after his high school retires as Jersey run-it-up Stark. Yeah, I think uh, this could be a huge Jonathan Brooks day. I mentioned how bad Houston's run defense is. They've given up 200-plus in three games this year. Jonathan Brooks has been a beast. So uh, it'll it'll be another 100 for sure for Jay Brooks, which will make it five straight 100-yard games for him. But I'd like to see, uh, yeah, around 200. I wouldn't complain about that at all all right some love to us some of our great sponsors we will start with a recorded spot from our friends over at audio visual consultations hi this is tom mckay with audio visual consultations scientific data proves it size does matter the bigger and wider your television is the better football season is here and the time is now to get your entire audio video experience tuned up and ready New flat screens, projection video, Dolby True HD surround, all the goodies at great prices and followed up with great service. So call us at 255-8678. That's 255-8678. We're on the web at avconsultations.com. Yes, indeed. Shout out to AV Consultations. Also, shout out to Altstad Beer, the best beer that you can find all throughout the great state of Texas. If you're looking for something to do this weekend, it is a road game after all. How about a trip out to the Altstadt Brewery in Fredericksburg? This place is awesome, man. There's so much to do there. It's the perfect day trip for the beer drinkers in your life. An outdoor beer garden, live music, TV so you can watch the games, a German-style restaurant, and, of course, you get to try plenty of samples of the greatness that is Altstadt Beer. They've got the Oktoberfest celebrations going on all month long. It is a party out there in Fredericksburg at the Altstadt Brewery. So make your way out there if you can. But hey, if you can't, make sure you're getting ready for the baseball, for the football, for the hockey, for all of the sports watching that you need. You need a great beer to accompany your sports watching all year round. Make that an Altstadt beer. No impurities, no regrets. Okay, Trey, a little baseball conversation. Sure. Before we get to the Aggie story that we need to discuss quick thought on the nlcs this could be a quick series speaking of quick the phillies 10 the d-bags zero the final from game two at citizens bank park last night in the city of brotherly shove the phillies go up 2-0 in that series of course the series shifts back to the desert for games three through five starting tomorrow uh, just a complete performance, man. Aaron Nola on the mound was phenomenal. The Phillies offense got going early. Kyle Schwarber, who's had a down postseason by his standards, uh, standards, excuse me, hit two home runs last night. That's three in the first two games of the series for Schwarber. The Phillies are doing just about everything right. They look very complete, and they are scary for Arizona, and they are scary for whoever comes out of the American League, I think, too. It's so funny slash strange to be a Rangers fan whose team hasn't lost a game in this postseason just yet, but to watch Philly play and just be like, oh, you know what? If we make it to the World Series, that was a fun run because this Philly team is going to steamroll us. And that is a loser's mentality. I hate that it is what creeps into my head, but it's also how good Philly is playing right now. As good as the Rangers are, you still see those flaws. You see those warts, and you feel like at some point – they are going to show themselves once again. But uh, credit, to, credit to that Philly lineup, as well as the pitching, of course, throwing the shutout. But credit to that Philly lineup for uh, making this not a very close game in the get-go. And it feels to me right now, just based on the totality of how both these teams are playing, BK, that the better matchup, the better World Series matchup, would be Texas and Philly. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that because Texas is up 2-0 right now. It's like they have a lineup that may be, get, be, be able to get into uh, some sort of back-and-forth high-scoring run affair, whereas the Astros obviously have good hitters too, but they've got a couple of key guys who are slumping badly right now who might keep that from happening with Kyle Tucker and Jose Altuve. Well, if the Astros come back and beat the Rangers, those guys won't be slumping anymore. That's a fair point. I wouldn't think. Because uh, obviously if the Astros come back and win, they'll have won at least four of five. So they'll be playing with some momentum going into a potential rematch of last year's World Series. Of course, the Astros beat Philadelphia in six games a year ago. Uh, Astros hoping for a rematch at this point. Rangers obviously trying to avoid that. But yeah, I mean, Philadelphia and Texas, man, uh, combined 14-1 and one in these playoffs. And you think about the only loss that Phillies had in this postseason they led most of that game. It was game two in Atlanta. They gave up a two-out home run in the bottom of the eighth to Austin Riley. The Braves took the lead, and then you had that miraculous double play to end the game. That was the only loss Phillies had throughout these playoffs, and they've gone up against some good teams to get here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're loaded. Their pitching has been great. Their bullpen, like the Rangers' bullpen, it's a surprise that they've been good. Phillies' bullpen is awesome. No surprise at all that they've been good. Uh, that offense, I mean, Harper's doing his thing. Castellanos has been red hot. Trey Turner went deep again last night. Uh, he's been great in these playoffs. And then they've got Schwarber going, too. It's a scary team, those Philadelphia Phillies, man. I mean, it takes a lot to beat the Braves two years in a row, especially this year when they were the best team in baseball all year long. That uh, that showed me something. And once again, the fact that they're 7-1 and one and uh, just beating the brakes off of some of these teams, very impressive. So, uh yeah I, I think philly closes that one out but now we go to arlington for game three in the alcs it's christian javier against max scherzer i have no idea trey what to expect from max scherzer uh what do you expect from him and what do you expect from uh, this game tonight boach said he went almost 70 pitches in a simulated game a few days ago so i feel like he'll be able to give you maybe a tiny bit more than that now that is dependent on how high stress a number of those pitchers are, but if he can minimize the damage and not constantly be working with runners on base, then if Max Scherzer can give you five good innings, then at that point it's time for the bullpen to further prove themselves and to show that uh, they have flipped that switch this postseason. The numbers suggest as much. Ultimately, they have closed the games that they needed to. Thank you very much, Jose Leclerc, for coming in to bail out Aroldis Chapman on more than one occasion, but uh, they're going to have to go deeper in the bullpen. This game is the bottom line one way or the other. You just hope that it's maybe for four innings and not something like five or six. Yeah, I'm with you, man. 68 pitches in that simulated game for Max Scherzer, and he's not even sure what to expect. I think somebody asked him, like, what do we expect from you? And he's like, I I don't know. So it's different. Simulated games are one thing. Game three of the ALCS going up against a lineup as good as the Astros, that is another thing. And it's been 36 days since Max Scherzer has last pitch in an MLB game. So I think the uh, the Astros have the pitching edge. Christian Javier was awesome in his first start of the postseason against Minnesota. He's been one of the better statistical pitchers in MLB postseason history. Like, he, he shines at this time of the year. He didn't have a great regular season especially compared to the expectations that Astros fans had on him after he got that contract extension last offseason. But uh, he's a stud. He's got swing and miss stuff. He's the type of guy who can quiet a hot lineup. And, yeah, like if Max Scherzer was healthy and he had pitched and it's normal Max Scherzer, then, okay, you can make a case that the Rangers have the edge on the bump. But 
Uh, I think the Astros have the edge on the bump tonight, and I think they find a way to uh, get a win in this series. And look, the Astros, even though it's going to be a hostile environment tonight in Arlington, you would think uh, they're not scared of Arlington. They were 6-1 and one there in the regular season. They swept the Rangers in Arlington in September, outscoring them 39-10 to 10 in those three games. And, of course, it bears repeating that the, uh, the Astros, excuse me, were uh, more than 20 games over 500 outside of Minute Maid. Now, the Rangers were great at home, too. Don't get me wrong. The Rangers were better at home than they were on the road, but the Astros significantly better on the road than they are at home. And, once again, the success at uh, Globe Life Field, I don't think they're too worried about the situation that they're going into. I will say this for Javier, even though he has been a different pitcher in the postseason than he was the regular season, he was really bad against the Rangers in his one start against Texas. Didn't even make it five innings. Gave up nine hits and eight earned runs to go along with two home runs. Texas uh, team OPS was over a thousand on Christian Javier the one time they faced him this season. So maybe they see him well. And even though he is a little bit more dialed in in the postseason, it won't matter with this stout rangers lineup we shall see rangers slight favorites in vegas in game three tonight first pitch a little after seven o'clock on fs1 quick check of the code of text line 512-222-9328 someone says someone is thanking you for recommending hayes city store so they tried the bacon jam burger for the first time and it was absolutely amazing you're welcome. I'm happy to turn all of Austin on and my uh, my co-host and my fellow Texas Sports Unfiltered broadcasters on to Hayes City Store. Okay, thank you for adding to Hayes City Store at the end of that because I don't even know if you're turning your wife on these days. Uh, mm. One text, my daughter, being a doctor, said never to lie about how much I drink. So I did not. Then one day I got denied life insurance because I did not lie about it. Well, supposedly they will deny you life insurance if you admit to smoking pot with some life insurance policies because you're looked at as a greater death liability. I don't totally understand the rationale there other than insurance companies playing some fun games with statistics. A lot of people OD on pot, Trey. Don't forget that. Yeah. Happens all the time. We see it on the news every day, don't we? That's right. Mm. That's absurd. It's the gateway drug. It it is indeed, Dewey Cox. It is indeed. Um, A shout-out to Covert Bee Cave. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, look no further than Covert Bee Cave. They're the best. They've been in business since 1909, they being the Covert Auto Group. Covert Bee Cave is brand new, and it's gorgeous. Three state-of-the-art dealerships nestled on 42 acres out there in the beautiful central Texas hill country. Seven different brands. They've got you covered. The inventory is ridiculous. The service you get there is second to none. And the deals, they've got deals all year round. Not just like Labor Day or Truck Month or Christmas time. They've got you covered with great prices. And what's their saying? Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. That's a true thing. So if you're looking for a car or truck or SUV for you, for your kid, for your business, whatever, Covert Bee Cave, that's the place to be. You can check them out online as well at covertbeecave.com. Com. They've got coverts all over Central Texas as well. Tons of great brands, the great service, the great prices. Covert, they're the best. Okay, Trey, we got to get to this Aggie story. I believe you uh, have the details for this one. Yeah, can we go ahead and fire up where are we at in society after we tell the people about Pest Wranglers too? Because I don't, 
I don't want to short this story time-wise. So if I need to add a second story in today's Where We At, I will. After letting you know that Where We At in Society is brought to you by Pest Wranglers. That's right, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. We also appreciate their overall support here at Texas Sports Unfiltered. Steve and Pest Wranglers have been taking care of your pests since 2006 here in Central Texas. They do a phenomenal job at that, but that's not why they have so many five-star reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. They have all the five-star reviews because they have exceptional customer service. We're at a time right now where customer service has completely fallen off. Go someplace. See if the person responsible for your customer service gives a damn. Well, at Pest Wranglers, they do give a damn, and that starts at the top with Steve valuing relationships, understanding how to properly treat his employees, and his employees in turn, they understand how to treat the customer, and that is with exceptional service. Again, all the five-star reviews, you can check those out. Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. Also go to pestwranglers.com to see all the different pests they can take care of for you and to give them a call. And as I said, Pest Wranglers is a proud sponsor of where are we at in society today? Right, it is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. And I'm not sure how to define today's first where we at story, BK, because AM football has not been all that good this year. Started with some high hopes. They were ranked in the top 25 to start the year, but uh, they get boat raced by Miami, and they've lost a couple of other games this year, including against Alabama a few weeks ago, a game that people were high on them actually pulling off that small upset. But here we are, another season, with people questioning, is Jimbo's buyout big enough that A&M wouldn't make a move if they need to at the end of the year? Yep. Back-to-back losses. Bama, then at Tennessee last week. They're 4-3. and three. And you're right, those conversations are absolutely happening, and they should be happening. Uh, you know, I wonder if the buyout wasn't as ludicrous as it was after last season if they already would have a new coach in Aggieland. But even though the buyout is still pretty ludicrous after this year, I uh, wouldn't be surprised at all if they tell Jimbo to move, bitch, and they bring somebody else in. That little ludicrous. There was a report that came out yesterday or the day before from an unnamed AM official that said, look, the buyout's not a problem. If we need to move on from Jimbo, we will do so. So we might see at the end of the year whether that is a bluff or legitimate. Well, we have a new theory, a new conspiracy theory as to why AM hasn't been better this year. And I'm not even kidding you. It has to do with flatulence. That's right. AM football has sunk to such lows in 2023 that they are now dealing with a fart gate. Thank you to a message board post that was shared on Twitter by the message board geniuses account at board geniuses. As they say, the real problem with hashtag AM is that they are farting too much. Hashtag gigum. And so the post comes from John Door 7890. And I apologize. I don't know what message board this is. Perhaps it's Gigum. Perhaps it's something completely different. But here's what it says. That was a very difficult loss for the Aggies. And this is after the Tennessee game. That was a very difficult loss for the Aggies. Not many, uh, not many people know this, but Texas A&M hired a new nutrition coordinator, and they utilize grains much more than protein. 
The theory is that by eating more grains that the players will have more stamina. The problem is what they are ingesting causes gas and it's not typical everyday gas. Put a pen in that one. This is chronic and it leads to a lot of problems, including fatigue. Several folks with inside knowledge of the program have told me that this is a real problem and the players have complained about it. It's an intestinal issue, and that type of gas is not normal. When you have players passing gas literally every play, that is a problem. I think you could tell in the fourth quarter that the Aggies were struggling. Their training table and nutrition is vital to any team's success. Wow. Wow. Thanks. Um, who are this guy's sources? He didn't mention, did he? He just said several fro- uh, several folks with inside knowledge of the program. I would assume, yeah, at least maybe an assistant nutritionist or a player. Or maybe one of the GAs is having a stand around smelling all of the flatulence that's fo- floating around the practice field and the sidelines during games. Mm. Yeah, if someone asked who his sources are, he said, just trust me, bro. I got this. That's who his sources are. This is awesome, man. I'm all about a good conspiracy theory, and I'm all about a bad conspiracy theory, too. And I'm not <laughs> sure which one this is, but I am <laughs> sure that it may be bad. Yeah, I, I am sure it is pretty freaking hilarious that this is a thing. Uh, so they're, they've got too much gas during games. I mean, this is a whole new meaning on being gassed in the second half, right? Like that's What they're ingesting causes gas, and it's not typical everyday gas. What, what is typical everyday gas? Is there a, an average number of windbreaks for uh, a person who has normal guts? Yeah, I'm sure there is, right? Like a typical number of bowel movements and also a typical number of gas passes. I'm sure there's like an average. Someone's done some study out there. You believe in science. I don't, but it's out there. The BMs is probably one to two per day. Yeah. I don't know. The farts. I mean, the farts have to be more than that. What, what is it? Like 10? 20? I think I think you maybe go because part of the this is a total spitball my by me. I realize I am the doctor of Texas Sports Unfiltered, but I don't study the gastro issues nearly as intently. What do you but study? I feel like part of the point of the flatulence is to keep pushing the poo down the pipe to where it eventually gets to the end and does need to be released. So you said ten, I'm going maybe like twenty to thirty. So forty to sixty. Farts per day is the norm. Okay. Well, here's a Google search. <laughs> and this counts. This is scientific. Um, humans pass gas typically between 13 to 21 times a day. Oh. So I, I was a little bit closer. So where are we at with the Aggies? Does that mean they're like twice that? Are they three times that? I mean, if normal is 13 to 21, does that just mean like, what, every single play they're ripping ass? Like their sideline just smells like that Delta Airlines flight? Is that what's going on here? God, I, I so badly want to try this Dave South bit right now, but it's not ready just yet. The, the pieces are, are all over my computer screen, and it will not go like it needs to. But stay tuned for a reenactment of what it may sound like when Dave South is calling the 2023 Texas A&M fighting Ags. Mm. That's coming up tomorrow. But I, I don't know. I mean, I assume based on this description that, I mean, these guys are out on the field. Like the offensive linemen are, are bending over 
and something's coming out. And, you know, when Max Johnson is, you know, taking his three to five steps, dropping back to pass, there's there's probably a little bit more when he takes that final plant step that uh, he's having to release as he's looking around the field. And when Evan Stewart catches the football, it's, you know, it's maybe like he's, you know, like a little squeak going up the field. Like every step is, is another one. And that, I mean, look, if that's what's happening, then yeah, you're not going to be able to run your fastest. I, I completely agree with I this insane message border. I don't know. It might help though, right? Like if you're just ripping ass or sharding yourself on every play, like if I'm a defender, I'm running the other direction, dude. That's if, true. If Evan Stewart's in the open that. field and it, I just see shit coming down his leg, then you can score, dude. That's I'm staying away from that. You go ahead and have this touchdown, brother. Well, and if this world turns into a cartoon simulation, maybe all that gas is having like a uh, a nitro booster effect, <laughs> or it's helping to speed him up by a half mile per hour. <laughs> oh man! Well, maybe that's why Connor Wegman got hurt. Maybe it wasn't uh, surgery. It was he just was tired of getting his nose down in there and smelling his center's ass uh, a bunch of different times. Hell, most of what they do is in the shotgun, so maybe it was that bad. He had to smell it from all five offensive linemen. It was just coming back to him, and that's why he got hurt. Well, I thought you were going to say he blew his sphincter. That's probably the much more likely scenario, though, what you just painted. Yeah. Can you do that from farting too much? <laughs> I don't know. Come on. You're the doctor here. This is what you do. We should ask the A&M center because not only is he having to deal with that, whenever Wegman or Max Johnson goes under center, it's like adding a – it's like adding another layer of pressure to that area. Do you think anybody asked either Jimbo or an Aggie player about this report this week? Like whether or not it was true? I would hope so. Holy shit. Do I need to try and get myself certified to go cover Jimbo's presser next Monday? I'll never forget because uh, in Houston, the station I worked at, ESPN, we actually aired the Aggie games. So, uh, I mean, we talked plenty of Longhorns, plenty of LSU, because there's a bunch of LSU fans there, but also plenty of A&M. And, God, right after Nick's, uh, there were reports after A&M landed that huge recruiting class, right? The number one class in the country, the highest graded recruiting class in college football history. And some guy on Reddit basically put out a report saying that Jimbo, like, bought all of those players. And it wasn't normal NIL stuff. It was A&M was going above and beyond. And somebody asked Jimbo about that, and he's like, yeah, I don't give a damn what some guy named Slice Bread on Reddit has to say about our team. Like, he actually responded to to those quotes. So I wonder if Jimbo has been informed of this and he actually gets asked about this and he has some sort of response crafted ready to go. So you do ask Jimbo, yes, but the guys who are going to give you the truthful answer on this one is the players. So any player available this week, you got to ask those guys because I guarantee you, if this is truly an issue, at least one of them will say something about it. Like, yeah, we've had to modify our diet a couple of times, which, by the way, the rationale for the uh, the additional gas issue from uh, less of an emphasis on protein and a heavier emphasis on the grains, it does depend on the grains, but certain grains... Even though you are carb loading, which can help with energy, it can also work against you too. And if there is number two to come along with the farts and you're doing it too much, like you're doing it more than that one to two times per day, that will leave you dehydrated. And if you're dehydrated, you have lower energy levels and uh, are also wearing down quicker throughout the course of a game. Mm, has been two weeks in a row where the Aggies have uh, blown a second half lead in a loss. 
Dare I say they shit the bed nicely, in those two games? Nicely done there. Uh, they've been shit in the bed for 80-something years, so what's the uh, excuse for the last 80-plus? Hmm. Uh, I'm sure there's something new that they have for every single season and why it hasn't worked. There's a way to gauge this. I mean, you can't gauge farts because we're not on the field. Like, I, God, I hope A&M players get asked this, but I hope, like, Tennessee players get asked about this, too. It's like, hey, did you notice the field smelling like ass in the fourth quarter on Saturday by chance? But A&M's next game, they're off this week. They play South Carolina in College Station next Saturday. Somebody's got to monitor how many trips to the bathroom these players are making, right? Like, that you can monitor. If someone's got Lamar Jackson Monday Night Football where he pretends to be hurt, so we can go take a dump or the Paul Pierce wheelchair bit where he pretends to be like seriously hurt so he can go take a dump. Like someone's got to track that if AM is leading the country in shits per game to where guys actually have to go back to the locker room because of all of these grains that they're eating. Now that's science right there. That is science. And it's also, you see the science play out with guys wearing measurables like measurable technology that can measurable uh, that can measure heart rate variability and blood flow and recovery and things like that well Jimbo's like taking it back to the 1990s because he's just uh strapping colostomy bags to these guys chest oh. so that they aren't having to make that many more trips to the bathroom to then give their opponent a competitive edge because they realize what's going on and these guys do have a uh, really bad case of the uh of the, the flatulent slash shits. What's the colostomy bag? Is that the one with the, the pee or the crap or both? Poop. Ah, what's the one with the pee? Mm, that may be a colostomy bag too. I'm not sure. No, because that's colon. That's probably the colostomy uh, bag. Your ostomy bag? I don't know. Probably the colostomy bag one. I would think colostomy bag two would be the, the shitting one, I would think. Uh, yeah, I was at the post office the other day and this dude started having a conversation with me. And he just literally had a bag of piss just hanging from his belt loop, visible. Oh. <laughs> yeah, dude. He just what? starts talking to me about all sorts of. I'm just like, I couldn't, I couldn't focus, man. I couldn't focus. No, of course not. And he has to realize that too. It's why he's striking up a conversation with you. He thinks he's funny. That's disgusting, though. Yeah, it was gross, man. I'm sorry to be shaming this gentleman who clearly is dealing with a serious enough health issue that he has to have the colostomy bag number one well done by you by the way uh but uh you also need to be courteous enough to everybody else where you just don't have it dangling in the wind like that off of a <laughs> agreed uh how are chip and zay gonna follow this one up today it's a great question that is always a great question i mean there are times where y'all just hand us a big bag of oh okay big- <laughs> chip BK just asked this question. I think if there's anybody who would be willing to go there, it would be you. There is a conspiracy theory floating around that A&M is underperforming this year because they have exceptionally bad gas. Thanks to a carb-rich diet from a new nutritionist, would you be willing to ask Jimbo in a press conference setting if there's any truth to uh, Fartgate? I, I would find a way to ask that question in a way that Maybe even Jimbo would chuckle, you know? <laughs> Love it. I figured. You know, it would take some of the attention off of whatever the hell else is ailing that program. Ugh, 
everything right now, isn't it? Amazing. Isn't it nice? It's so nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Every love year. It. Keep it. He needs more yeah. time. He needs more time to get his players in there. <laughs> yeah. God. Yep. He needs to sign another number one class so that four years out from that class, he can say, those are the guys I need. They should also they should also extend him again after he signs that number one class too because they they think it they think it's actually turning the corner this time. Oh yeah. Oh man. All well, right. Wait, wait, wait. Before y'all get off, do you see my man having a meal while we're on? Like we're working, ship. This is no. work. You're out here I'm on the struggle bus. <laughs> Two days in a row. Two, Two days, days in a row. row. Two days in a row. Man, go on the struggle bus, but. <laughs> But you know what? It's healthy salmon. Oh, all right. <laughs> Ready to deal with that for the next two hours. Appreciate it. Yeah, let's go. I'll be done in five. I'll be done in five. Hopefully you don't have to smell it. There's no uh, scratch and sniff in your computer or anything, Zay. You should be Ooh. all right. Yeah, thank you. Salmon is the magical food. It cures all. Yeah, salmon tastes like ass. Just put some seasoning on it. Come on, BK. All you right. Yes, I've been that truck stop salmon, BK. Uh, yeah, this is this is the good stuff, man. This is where I get my Olipop. Uh, there you go. That is good stuff. Yeah. All right, it's, fellas. It's, it's, thanks, y'all. Good show. We'll be we'll be listening. <laughs>